0: Welcome into the third hour of the morning. Tailgate here with us, Vinny Bonsignor, Lindsay Brown, Clay Baker, and the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. Hit us up on the text line. It's brought to you by the Dollar Loan Center, 702-365-9200, and on X at r 920 AM. Chris Thomas, he joins us now, former Super Bowl champion, wide receiver with the 1999 Rams, the greatest show on turf. And now Chris is a performance development mentor, a life coach, a motivational speaker. You can DM him on social media at fusion odyssey and we're happy to have you chris chris good morning and i gotta ask you man when you see a uh uh, like on the day of a super bowl and you see the pageantry and the crowd and all the uh the action that happens do you ever get the feelings like back in 1999 at the georgia dome and you're getting ready to take on the the titans like how important this moment is and do you have like great memories that just spring up to you all day long on, on those super bowl sundays
1: I have phenomenal memories of my time with the Rams, for sure. We won that Super Bowl. Clearly, the uh, the experience with the Chargers is a whole lot different when you're on the losing side. But uh, amazing experience because it was one of the better Super Bowls, I think, ever yeah. to be played. It came down to the last play, literally, mm-hmm. in terms of them having a chance to tie up the game. Mike Jones, Superman, grabbed the dude around the waist, um, really around the quads to stop him from – Pulling the ball over the the end zone line, and from where (laughs) I was standing, it looked as though he got the ball over the wire So I'm thinking, no, we did not just score. There's no way. And then you see that the referees give the signal that he did not, and then everything just you know just goes nuts, right? Like everyone's just going absolutely berserk, and all the Ram confetti is coming down, and it's just such an amazing experience. And one of the best experiences was having my family there. You know, they've They've watched you grind over the years, and you get to go up in the stands and give them a hug, and that was really special. But, yeah, the celebration afterwards, I don't know if we can even talk about what that looked like, but um, the celebration afterwards was amazing. I think everyone probably slept maybe a half an hour before we jumped on a plane to go back to uh, to St. Louis.
2: Chris, I want to uh, take you to the other side of things, and that's the 49ers side, and um, I'm sure there's desperation uh, or just just bitter disappointment uh, in San Francisco, and rightfully so. But I want to take you to uh, some of the news that's kind of come out, um, you know, post game in terms of the overtime rules and literally the players not knowing what the new overtime rules were. There's um, there was some footage that came out where the players were mic'd up uh, literally after the coin toss, and one of the players, 49ers players, after they decided to take the ball, goes over to the sideline. And he's talking to Kyle Shanahan, and he's like, "Wait, this is the player talking. Wait." So even if we score a touchdown, they get the ball again. And Kyle's like, "Yeah," and in, and the player's like, "Wow, I didn't, I didn't even know that." Um, I, to me, that's 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 an egregious error, uh, and I put it squarely on the on the coach for not relaying that information to his players. But as a player, how much did you want to know what all the rules were to make the right decisions, and obviously to to approach things correctly, and how disappointed would you be um, retrospectively if if you found out we should have known that we didn't know that?
1: Yeah, and I would even say, VB, it's not even that you want to know, it's that you have to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you have to know that. That can't be an oversight because that seriously was probably a game-changing oversight. Um, And so you have to know that. And as a player, I would be frustrated because, you know, players' jobs have never been to know what the rules are. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that really your coaches make sure that you understand and introduce to you as you get back into off-season training if the rules have changed and everything else, you know, in-season, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, typically speaking, you're not the one looking up the new rules over here. You know what I mean? Um, So it does fall squarely on the shoulders of your coach, and I hate to, you know, indict Kyle Shanahan, because he's clearly a great coach and has done amazing things, but you know, on the other on the other end of that, you heard Patrick Mahomes talk about for how many weeks they've been rehearsing that, right? Mm-hmm. And how to to the point of just being nauseous about it, like okay, again, we got to go over this again, but they were fully prepared for it, right? So yeah, you're on the opposite ends of the spectrum, and it I think that that oversight will always. I think, linger over their head and wondering, like, had we made different decisions, would the outcome have been different? And that's a terrible feeling, even more than losing. It's thinking, like, would this have changed the game? So, yeah, it was was definitely something that should never have happened. The players definitely should have known, and they should have rehearsed it. And for whatever reason, they didn't, and who knows? We'll never know if that was really something that changed the outcome in overtime, but... You know, I was happy to see the Chiefs
3: win, so I can't complain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're we're talking to Chris Thomas here from Fusion Odyssey. He comes in here, gives us a, a mental chiropractic adjustment, and hopefully everybody else takes something away uh, from it. I want to continue on that 49ers psyche, and not so much about the in-game and, and that particular moment of, of, of trauma, because losses like that are very traumatizing. But when it comes to drawing lines on unhealthy on processing and utilization of 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 a loss like that, using it for motivation what, what what kind of parameters do you set for yourself and and to your clients uh that they can look at well, this is healthy motivation versus this is a detrimental fuel to draw from because you never get over it, but there's different ways to interact with the scar tissue
1: yeah I would say that losses like that it's i think I think in their case it's very unique because they've been knocking on the door for what you know, three years now, something like that, in the last four or five. They've been right there, whether it be losing an NFC championship game or being in the Super Bowl, they've been right there and have had it within their grasp. And kind of, you know, to Joey Bosa's point – wait, is it – it's Joey Bosa, right? Nick. Nick's on the 49ers. No, Nick Nick Bosa, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, That didn't sound right when I said it. I thought, wait a minute. Um, But to Nick Bosa's point, when he was, like, after the game, like – this stings because you realize you're only going to have so many chances, right, to, mm-hmm. to get here and to do this. And we're here. We keep knocking on the door, but, you know, the makeup of teams change, you know, changes, C- circumstances change. Like, a lot of things change year to year, and that's a very hard thing to replicate to get back there. So I think they're very. the guys who've been there are very aware that, man, the odds are now just growing against us to continue getting back to this spot, and we cannot win. So I think that is more frustrating, and I think that's going to take a longer time to process, but I do think at some point it's always healthy, because I don't think anyone who's a competitor is is looking at what happened and not going to use that for fuel. So I think it's always healthy at some point, the way you extract what happened, mm. because I think it's going to motivate you as a competitor, somebody who wants the ultimate prize, somebody who wants to be great, somebody who's been there and just can taste it, that hunger isn't going to go away. It's only going to grow. There's not one guy at that level of, of football, professional sports that wouldn't use that constructively to ask themselves, what can I do differently or what can I do better in my off season training to contribute to like us finally getting over the hump. So I, I think at that level, it's a hundred percent positive. I could imagine anyone not using it to drive them into what they do in the off season and, and what they anticipate you know, them doing throughout the year next year.
0: It's Chris Thomas here with us on The Morning Tailgate. You can follow him on social media at Fusion Odyssey, performance development mentor, life coach. If you have a son or daughter involved in scholastic sports, a student athlete, uh, think about the kind of mental aspects and psychological aspects that chris thomas can unlock in their games and you know just recently you've been working in baseball with some baseball players and high level baseball and it's the fact that you know we're hearing some testimonials from people that you've actually really touched in the last few weeks taking away you know in the aspect of hitting, for example, take away a lot of the negative th- thoughts that are involved with a lot of hitting that that that's you know really plague certain players but when they go through your course CT it helps them keep themselves in the game and more motivated. What are the, some of the things that you're able to do now and that you've uncovered over the last few weeks working with the baseball team?
1: I think it's really, you know, and those pro guys, I think, say it all, right? I had a chance to work with them. I was there for four days, had a chance to actually work with them in terms of teaching them the simple connection with the bat and the ball. That for anyone out there who's listening, I'm talking about the connection between the bat and the ball, but it could be the connection between your foot and a soccer ball, you know, your hand and a basketball, okay. a football, throwing it, catching it, whatever, running a route. It, it's, the, the connection is relevant to your action and your sport. Um, in Lindsay's case, you know, a hockey puck and, and her body and in the, in the stick, like all that stuff. But um, what I was really so fascinated by and just really humbled by was how amazed they were that they were learning this game that they had never played. I mean, these are guys who have grown up playing their whole lives. They are where everyone dreams of
2: being. Right.
1: And you think that they would have uncovered everything. But as I was pointing out to them, there's this whole other game that you haven't learned because, if, if there are any emotional barriers between you and the results you want to create, then already I know that you're going to be underachieving because those emotional barriers won't allow you to play freely and won't allow you to connect in full to the action that you want to execute at the highest level. So I know that for one. But two, I also know that if you don't understand the mind, then you can't possibly integrate the mind into any actions that you're executing and you want to execute at the highest level. And that compromise is huge. Um, because the game is so much, you know, more than just the technical aspect of it. No matter who you are, you can look at Lamar Jackson and he throws funky, but yet, you know, his completion rate is really good. And, and he's, you know, an MVP in the NFL. Like there is no one way to execute anything, but we get so hung up on the, the technical aspect and they, they realize that. And I think they bought into it when I was like, you know, with all the technical work that, that you guys do, that, that, you know, the average major league batting average is still 248 and that 248 to turn into 210 before you blink. And the you know average Major League Baseball player strikes out 24% of the time. And the average barrel rate is only 10%, which is crazy. So how much of the game is left to be learned and left to be executed? There's a lot. Well, how do you find that? Well, you're not going to find it doing the same technical stuff. you got to find it someplace else. And so in, in-, in introducing them to – this other game, they were just blown away, especially having their eyes closed and swinging and hitting balls. They just thought the the level of trust you have to have to do something like that is insane. They've never thought about that. They've never thought about the the real finite details of like what the game actually is and drawing these lines to create the ultimate end result, which is the line drive, and all these other things that they didn't ever connect to that simplify the game. And one of the guys, a 10-year vet, I think he said it best, like, I can just feel right now how fluid my swing and how my swing is, excuse me, my swing is, and how how easy my swing is, and how I'm letting myself just swing, and I'm not like trying to force the swing in action. It's like that right there, summarizes how and why the game changes. Because once you understand that and you let things happen, then all your possibilities change. So for me, it was amazing to hear those guys express what they were taking away, because it was what I was hoping for. And it was awesome that they were open to it as guys who, you know, had their own routine for years, but they were willing to learn something new. And to hear them say, I think that every guy here, if you were here for a month, could turn into a big leaguer. And to hear them say, like, I never would know this game if I didn't meet you, was just so humbling, so awesome. The agent saying, in all my 30 years of baseball, who's, you know, he represents a number of big-name guys, you know, I've never heard anyone talk about the game like Chris. And he's really revolutionizing kind of the approach to, the hitting in the game and and so it was awesome that people get it yeah and uh, so yeah it was an amazing experience for
2: me that is uh awesome i want to switch gears here uh chris uh just uh, there's a report out there um and i was able to confirm this with the nfl uh that that jimmy garoppolo is being suspended for the first two games uh, of next season uh for violating the nfl's performance enhancing substance policy um you know rules and and it turns out uh, that he used a prescribed medication without having the valid therapeutic use exemption uh, for that medication. And I want to go back to your playing days, and this gets really complicated in knowing what is allowable and what's not allowable. And sometimes getting in a pinch, even though you think you're doing the right thing through a prescribed medication, nothing to do with you know steroids or, or performance-enhancing drugs, what was the lengths that you had to go to to kind of figure out before you took something – is this something that's going to bite me in the butt? Is this uh, allowable? Do I have to get uh, – how deep did you have to look into things before taking certain, you know, medication or whatever the case might be?
1: That's a great question. I think naively a lot of times you probably think that the things that you're taking like would not, you know, be a red flag. You know what I mean? Like so I think you're not even thinking that you need to get that checked, right? And I don't know if that's, you know, Jimmy's case or – or whatever, but a lot of times, yeah, you don't, you wouldn't think, like there couldn't possibly be something in this that I need to get checked in the event that there is something that could get me suspended, right? And so I think that could be frustrating on one end, but I will tell you that um, any time I was considering taking a supplement or anything that was was not just over-the-counter um, in terms of, you know, Robitussin or something like that, I I would go straight to our our strength coaches and have them check out everything so they could tell me the ingredients because I do believe that for the most part every strength coach on every NFL team knows what's acceptable and what's not as they should given that they should know everyone, you know, potentially is taking some something to support, you know, their their best performance. Um not illegally, but just legally. And so I think it all typically goes through your um your strength coaches, but I think sadly today I think you you have to get everything checked because you just don't know. There's so many different things that could potentially be the red flag and potentially get you suspended. That is it worth it? And then it's just it's just the look, right? Like I I wouldn't like the look, right? The mm-hmm. fact that people look at me and they now think that I was trying to do something that. Would give me an unfair advantage. I wouldn't like that. You know, in my playing day, I literally did not take anything. I didn't take, I took creatine for a month. It did nothing. I went off of it and literally didn't take protein, didn't take creatine, didn't take anything. So, um, I, I just, I wanted what I did to be very natural. Um, and I'm, I have no issue with anyone taking supplements. Um, I think that's great as long as they're legal. But yeah, today it's like, I think you have to get literally everything checked because you just don't know. Um, and especially if you're, you're looking at supplements or, or whatever that, um, you know, is, is always like on the cutting edge of something Mm -hmm. new, right? So if it's on the cutting edge, I'm definitely getting that checked. But when you're getting prescribed something, you, you definitely wouldn't think that that would, you know, cause you to be suspended. But, you know, I guess that's a learning lesson, right? That he's telling everybody, I don't care what you take you should get it checked 100% of the time because is it worth it? Just the look of it. And then, of course, if you're suspended, you're not getting paid, all these other things. Like, it's just not worth it.
3: Yeah. The supplement health industry is so interesting because it's obviously really big business and big businesses involved in it in it but there's also a huge cottage industry aspect too so you don't really know exactly where you're getting and and there's everybody that's trying to find that little bit of an edge so you're absolutely right check everything you never know Uh, I want to circle back to working with baseball players specifically because that sport has has this element of purity and tradition that sometimes gets in the way of potential for the athletes that choose that sport so what do you find unique about tinkering with baseball players mental wiring versus people from other sports or other walks of life
1: uh, that's a great question, Lindsay, Because we just yeah. we just went over this, like so in, in great depth. Um, there's something in baseball that all centers around hitting, right? It, hardly ever are you talking about infield outfield play. Yes, you're talking about pitching at times, but it's the hitting aspect that really creates the most distress, right? Because it's so challenging, mm-hmm. and and so it forever in the history of the sport they've been taught, meaning hitters have been taught, that it's a failure sport. And so every time I talk to a baseball player, some, somehow that gets brought up about, you know, it's a failure sport, I know that, and, then, and, then, and my response is always, but it's not a failure sport. And so this is helping them redefine the game, and this is helping them create a different pathway to achieving the desired end result. They, they don't understand that, even when someone tries to use failure in a very innocent way, in a way that's meant to be innocuous, um, it doesn't matter. Like in our society, there is not a positive, you know, um, spin to what a failure actually is. There is a negative stigma associated with that word, no matter how you try to spin it. Right. It's not like, Lindsay, I'm so proud of you. You were such a great failure today. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's, not, there's not a positive um, association with the idea of failing. And so even when someone tries to tell you it's a failure sport, there's this lack of acceptance, rightly so, because in the greater scheme of things, you know in our society that there is nothing positive being associated with failing. And so as long as that exists, there is always this, okay, I didn't get what I wanted, I failed. That's not a positive thing. So every time you go back subconsciously, you know that you're achieving the worst result, And so in changing the definition for baseball players as it relates to hitting, you literally can completely change their approach, their connection, their fluidity, everything, how slowing the game down. And so that's what I do is, is I, I create the proper context. You're not failing, so you struck out or so you grounded out or whatever. There could be two or three things in that sequence where you did not get the result that were A's. And what you're choosing to do is ignore the A's and convince yourself because they told you to that you failed. It's like, no, you didn't fail. You fell short. You had great things associated with what your approach was. You just were off a little bit. So then what should you be doing? Should you be telling yourself you failed or should you be processing information so that you can get what you want that you're super, super close to? So this is like changing that for hitters is huge because it is hard. It's hard to hit a ball and barrel it up. It's not hard to hit a ball. It's hard to barrel it up, right? And mm-hmm. so that's an art, and that art needs to be fluid. And you need to be free. You can't be second guessing yourself. You can't be hesitant. You can't be tentative. You have to be free. And part of an, part of freeing you up is is like eliminating any definition, any thought that would connect you to being fearful of some like you know, worst case scenario, which is not getting a hit or striking out, which in your, in your eyes, is going to be interpreted as failing. So I think the biggest thing in baseball is, is that, and, and not, you know, people not trying to like, let themselves revert back to that belief system because that belief system is inhibited. It's, you never, it's never going to free you as long as you buy into, Hey, it's a failure sport, three out of 10 hits and you're a superstar. It doesn't matter that you say that. like, They're telling themselves they're failing every time they don't get a hit. That's not positive. So you need to eliminate that and let them have a different pathway and definition to what is actually happening when they don't get exactly what they want, so that there's momentum they can create from that, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, it does. And Chris Thomas is here with us, uh, Fusion Odyssey, here on the Morning Tailgate. And on that note— you know, when you talked about, like, you know, it's the game that you haven't learned, even though you've been in it for so long. And I think about, like, the and, and for people, and ordinary people in life, they can relate to that because there are emotional barriers that keep us from living freely and getting what we want in our normal, everyday life.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's a bigger issue. Most people are not living, living their best lives for one reason or another. You know, they haven't fallen in love with themselves. They have low self-esteem. They're angry about something you know, they're projecting on somebody else, like they have these insecurities, you know, whatever. They want somebody to be something that, you know, they're not. Like just all these things that affect and afflict our ability to move forward, um, you know, we, we become victims to our circumstances, right, when really your circumstance is not what determines the experience. Your perspective is what determines the experience. And as long as you don't have perspective, then you'll always be a victim to your circumstances, and the second you accept that, whether that be I'm in a job where I hate my boss, you know, I don't love what I do, you know, whatever, right? I'm not getting what I want. Like, people are kidding me. Whatever it is that creates distress for you, it's really not the experience. It's your interpretation of it, right? Your perspective about it. And as long as you have the wrong perspective, then you create a barrier between yourself and the life that you want to experience. And it's so unnecessary, right? And this, this is the challenge. I mean, we've spent so much time which is these these negative thought patterns in our lives for for years that it's our condition. It's our default system. And so we may not even recognize the self-sabotage that's going on, but it's there. And so, you know, what you have to do is have awareness, for one, that this is what you're doing to yourself. Two, change your perspective. And three, be ready to implement that new perspective day after day, moment after moment, minute after minute, hour after hour because you have to create a different thought pattern because you've been conditioned otherwise. And until you do that, you're not going to create different possibilities for your life experience because, you know, if we're delusional if we think that we're not going to be faced with things that are disruptive to our our life balance. Like, that's just delusional. You're going to be. So then the question becomes, when that happens, like, how do I have it? How How do I approach it? How do I attack it? Like, what is my perspective about it? And is this going to be what, like, sends me into a place where now my life is, you know, not at all what I wanted and I have this stress and unhappiness and everything else? Like, that's, that's unnecessary. You're the owner of what happens in your life. And if you, don't, if you don't recognize that, then you're a victim to your experiences. And there's no reason for that. I mean, we have all the power. When perspective is so big when it comes to life, especially. Your perspective is what's going to shape the quality of your experiences, not the experience is experience, not the experience itself. So that's, that's you know, something that we all need to understand and stop trying to, like, revert back to our default system. I mean, we, we cannot move forward if we don't have awareness. If you don't have awareness as to what we're doing to ourselves or what's affecting us, then you can't possibly create change. And change is so easy because it's a choice, and we are the one who has all the power to create it. And right? so, like, it, it's so unnecessary for us to be afflicted the way that we are that we should be compromised in the way that we, we live and the way that we experience life.
0: It's Chris Thomas, Fusion Odyssey, here on Raider Nation Radio. Chris, uh, what's the best way for people to contact you, to DM you perhaps, and to get more about what you do, your consultations, as well as your video series?
1: As always, they can just DM me at Fusion Odyssey on any one of the social media outlets that I think we all use. And always a the number, they can always, you know, text me. Directly, or just call me directly 805-663-8483 six six three eight four eight three. I'm happy to share any information and give them links or videos or anything else that can help somebody um, move forward with their uh, their experiences.
0: Well, you give us so much, Chris, and I know that it's an invaluable piece that you bring us on on Fridays and and for anyone out there, we we highly recommend you checking it out. Fusion Odyssey on social media and eight zero five six six three eight four eight three. Chris, have a great weekend. We love you, man. We'll talk to you again next week.
1: Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Love you
0: all, too. All right. It's Chris Thomas here with us. Absolutely. and uh, Yeah, fascinating stuff. And you know what? It, let's go through the Jimmy Garoppolo thing for a second. Mm-hmm. Is is that on the player, the player's agent, the team? I mean, like, that seems like kind of like a, a very, like, a, a piddly thing because you know that Jimmy was injured, had to have that surgery just before he could get even officially signed to the roster. So you know that he's going through stuff. But how badly could this have been, you know, for this to, like, pop up, on uh, you know, on on the test? um and who's responsible ultimately yeah uh,
2: um you know uh i don't know i mean that's that's i i don't know i think that um you know he might have gotten some bad information from somebody maybe his agent looked at it and said no you sh- you're allowed to take this or or maybe somebody i don't know i mean i i it's it seems the two Here. games tells you that it's it's something that it it it's it was serious but it wasn't that serious and we got to do something because you didn't get the right uh, approval. Basically, it was there, there's, there's like something that you can get to override um, what it is. And maybe he just didn't know. It could have been just complete naivety and just, um, you know, a false belief that, what you were taking, you know, ultimately it's it's on him. It's you go, it is ultimately on him. Yeah, but him. Right. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, it, this doesn't appear to be something where – It's not malicious, he, I don't think. He wasn't it. trying to get an advantage. Yeah, there was the, no advantage. He was trying to get better. Guys, guys and, you
3: know. this is I, – I had to file for one of these when I was playing college sports because I'm on medications that would technically be classified as performance enhancing, but because it is therapeutic, use, like, like, I can't take Adderall – just cuz like but mm-hmm. if I have a prescription I have to let them know so when they drug test me and they see it they know she's good because without it it's a mess. And so th- that's that I'm not saying he's on Adderall or or whatever that is but that could just be the simple thing. You just didn't file the waiver. And it, and maybe that was your agent's responsibility but who's supposed to keep your agent in line?
2: You. Yeah, no. I mean like I said he's paying the price. Yep. There's no um there, there's no questioning that, but it doesn't appear like like I said, that it was a, uh, like you just said, malicious, trying to get an advantage. or And and there are, you know, uh, cases where, where where that is the case. So, um, But the rules are rules, and you have to follow the rules. And, you know, even if you unintentionally break a rule, then you're going to have to pay the price. So,
0: Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More on this on the other side. It's Raider Nation Radio
2: want even more of this party on twitter make sure and follow clay baker at clay baker radio vinnie bonsignor at vinnie bonsignor and lindsey brown at lindsey brown 35 and now back to the morning tailgate
0: just a few minutes here before we have to take a quick break. But, you know, from the text line 702-365-9200 on our conversation about the high-stakes poker game that the Raiders are involved with and everyone else who is on the table to go and try to get the best possible picks in the draft for the needs that are open. And uh, from uh, Jeff H., he brought up, uh, I thought... I love the thought of one of the tackles at 13, but J.J. McCarthy might be worth the pick, in my opinion. I wasn't on board until Getsy got hired, but he seems like a good fit for a big run play action, uh, deep short t- or deep shot team. And a lot of people also th- bring up the fact that J.J.'s age is just a little bit younger than somebody than J.J. Jaden Daniels. I don't know. Do you think it matters too much?
2: Yeah, I do, actually, when it comes down to, you know, maybe the Bo Nixes and the, uh, and, and the, and the Michael is You know, 21 years old, that's pretty, that's young. Um, that that buys you a little bit of development time. There, they, it tells you that there might be a little bit left, you know, higher of a of a ceiling. Um, he, he's healthy and he played a lot of football too. Uh, so d- you you could probably answer this better. Did he start right away at Michigan? Was he a freshman starter? No, he Feels was not. Like he, okay, so he, um, because they had
0: so many other quarterbacks involved there, that you know they kind of they did like a, a a match play where they were bringing in other guys to find out like who's the right fit here for right. this spot.
2: Okay. Um, so yeah, I do think I do, do think in some in some draft rooms age will play a, a factor, age and the health, and uh, but 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 I also think that he's got a lot of he's got a skill set, you know. There's there's things that, and and it seems some of it's untapped because again we keep going back to this. It wasn't needed necessarily uh, at Michigan where it might be needed in the N. Not, 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 it's not even might. It's going to be needed in the NFL, and the big question is going to be the skill set that you see that you saw whether it was on film or when you see him in his evaluations at this combine and at pro days do you believe are you convinced that those skills that weren't tapped into in college can be tapped into successfully and he's going to be able to uh, to play up to those skills at the next level
0: are oh. the are the chargers in Arizona are they bluffers <laughs> at this table
3: uh... Charger? No, I mean the the Chargers. I don't even really put in the conversation for the, the for the poker game because you know they have their quarterback, and I think Kyler Murray is going to be the quarterback of Arizona. Yeah. So I don't think either mm-hmm. of th- them are in that desperation piece, and so they're not. They're in a different part of the casino. They're, they're in the food court.
2: Could be candidates to, to trade they're, up to. Yeah,
3: Sabario specifically. Go a nice pizza. Yeah, Sbarro. get some bread stickies. <laughs> Be great.
2: It's hard to pass that Cinnabon. Their chicken Marsala is actually kind of underrated. What? Is it good? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: You'll eat so borrow chicken Marcella, but then you'll poo-poo on the Garden of Olives. How dare you!
0: I don't know, but it's probably so sitting it's there in good. the Marsala sauce a good long time because it's no,
2: it's it's. <laughs> I I had to try it one time. I was at I was at UCLA doing a story, and it, it was in their food court. I was like, this is pretty, pretty darn good, <laughs> actually. It's
3: like one of the things that when the Bostonians talk about it, it's like the most prevalent. Uh, the chicken masala. You got any chicken masala here? I've had some
0: bad chicken uh, masala. I take the masala over the pizza. Uh,
3: the chicken palm. <laughs> you have any palm here? Some a le- little, one, more chi- one more cutlet left over. A
2: little wine and some some mushrooms. It's a, it's if, capers. When done Capers
0: when done right.
3: This is a Samuel Adams household. Nothing more, nothing less.
0: <laughs> it's Oktoberfest. Don't you understand? Mm -hmm. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more on this. Keep them coming. 702 365 923 I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
2: We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. And, of course, when we hear that great introduction, we go out to the Raider Nation radio guest line and welcome in our good friends from over at the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. And, of course, we're talking about Dr. Robert O'Dell, But before we get to the great doctor, uh, I just want to remind everybody um, that there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Uh, And it's a predicament that far too many of us are in, but we don't have to be uh, in that jail cell that we deal with uh, each and every day, waking up uh, knowing that it's going to be a painful day and thinking that there's no hope. There is hope, the Neuropathy and the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers that hope because they offer genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how you can live as pain-free a life as possible. The phone number is 702-257-7246. Dr. Odell, how are you doing today?
4: Oh, pretty good. Pretty good.
2: Good to hear that. Uh, and, and Dr. Odell, I wanted to talk about um, uh, hip pain. And um, I bring that up because a friend of mine just got a hip replacement uh, surgery. And uh, I'm I'm very hopeful that everything uh, is is working out. Uh, So far, uh, so good. Uh, But I got to ask you, um, I'm sure you deal with hip pain and and patients that have hip pain. How bad does it have to get? What actually has to happen for a hip replacement to come into play?
4: Well, first of all, uh, the cause of the hip pain um, is not always necessarily the hip. Uh, sometimes the pain can be referred from other sources. And, of course, easy way of diagnosing this is just uh, actually an X-ray because if you have bone-on-bone <laughs> or severe arthritis, that's a pretty good indication. Um, with, with, the, with the hip, I think the diagnosis is really pretty easy. It's a little bit easier diagnosis than, say, the shoulder joint or some of the other joints um, just because of the nature of the anatomy. Now, what, 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 uh, regarding um, uh, the, hip, the hip osteoarthritis, the best treatment is, in fact, uh, a total hip replacement, and that is uh, uh, one of the is the easiest major operation that there is, in my opinion. Total knees hurt way more after treatment, but total hips, th- the patients, it's like night and day. They walk out of there like two days later. Uh, I think my sister, had, well, she had two total hips. She was hiking uh, two weeks after wow. each one, and I talked to a patient uh, yesterday in my office who was. Uh, I'll walk around two days afterwards. And I am not a big fan of uh, surgery. You know, we try to do injections and things like that. And yeah, we could block the hip capsular nerves like we do the knee. You know, interfere with the nerves. So they wouldn't have to have that hip replacement. But I try to talk to people out of that because it's such a great operation. Uh, very, very good surgeons here do it. The outcomes are outstanding. The infection rate is very low, um, almost non existent. And uh, it's, um, it's, uh, uh, I think, in fact, my father had four total joints—two hips. Cindy's had uh, uh, two total hips and a, and a and a and a knee, I think, or maybe it's one hip and two knees. I, I was fortunate in the family to have avoided all that uh, for some reason. But um, I think my other sisters had uh, one total hip, and what, they're all doing great.
2: Well, I want to ask you about that real quick uh, because I know that you were extremely active and you played football um, and you and you did a lot of activity, strenuous. Type of things. I don't know um, if your sisters were uh, equally, um, you know, uh, vibrant in terms of what they did and the physical activity that they did. But it, it it's. I, I have to ask you as a, as a doctor, uh, why is it? And maybe it's just the luck of the the, the draw that that some people that even though they do, ex, uh, you know, extremely strenuous type stuff like play football and play sports uh, can escape that, and others who don't can't escape that
4: yeah no i think i think um part of it is hereditary but for some reason i was skipped and i, I don't know why now um you know the uh uh the um uh, the, the literature may may you know be more specific you know in which case um it, you know may be more specific in which case uh um um uh uh, you know, some they might say, well, fifty percent of the time it is hereditary and I, I don't know. I mean I could look that up if listeners are mm-hmm. interested. Uh by the way, I'm on on my way to see my own doctor right now for a little blood pressure action here. But uh um you know um the, the 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 total hip operation is such a great operation that it's it's be disabled from, from uh uh you know from hip uh uh illness you know from hip arthritis mm-hmm. is, is really um Almost non-existent. Wow. Again, I do emphasize that with a total knee. Total knee replacements are a pain. They hurt like heck afterwards, mm-hmm. and that's why I urge people to come into my office to consider having an ablation of the nerves. Uh, to, to consider having an ablation of the nerves so that they can um, they can uh, um, you know could avoid that operation.
2: Right. Okay. So, short of uh, hip replacement. Uh, what do you guys over at the Drop of the Pain Center um, of, of Las Vegas offer uh, as as you know not necessarily an al- alternative, uh, but if it if it's not that serious, uh, what what do you guys have um, you know in terms of technology and, and treatment uh, to to deal with uh, you know uh, uh, pain hip pain that doesn't level up to needing a hip replacement?
4: I would uh, have them use Ultra Cure that anti inflammatory that. I've used in the past that's a natural product, or they can use a standard anti-inflammatory like a, like a naproxen or something. Keep in mind that anti-inflammatories can do numbers on, on the um, stomach, right, on the platelets, and on the kidneys. So obviously it has to be followed by a doctor. In many ways, narcotics uh, are safer drugs uh, managed properly in low doses than, um, than the uh, anti-inflammatories. However, you know both are both are uh, uh, both are reasonable choices when they're managed by a doctor that is aware of the side effects, as we all are, and the um, patient is monitored with the blood work and and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, you know, for for, uh, to, to, for for mild osteoarthritis. Right.
2: Yeah, and uh, the doctor brings up a good point, and I would uh, I would I would stress to everyone out there when you are dealing with you know medication and uh, anti-inflammatory and, and, and whatever it is. Truly listen to the doctor, and hopefully you found a doctor that you can trust to find out what the you know potential ramifications are, or the side effects, or you know the long range uh, implications uh, that they can have. Because uh, I know that it's 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 easy to you know just be just be so excited about maybe the relief it gives you, but there can be some long range uh, type of things to deal with. So so listen to the doctors and listen to Doctor uh, Odell, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Okay, great. Thanks, thanks. Bye bye. Book your appointment online at nvpainrelief.com. Thanks for all our guests this week. You can catch it all on our podcast page up on at lvsportsnetwork.com, as well as iTunes, Audible, Amazon. Like, subscribe, follow. We appreciate your support. Coming up next, it'll be Rich Eisen, and then JT the Brick from 12 to 2, and then Q Myers from 2 to 5 on a full day of Raider Nation